If you're visiting with us, uh, my name is Ron Cool, and I'm one of the pastors uh, here as well, and I'd uh, like to just also welcome uh, each and every one of you. I want to start by showing you the picture of a guy by the name of William James Sidus, okay? William James Sidus is one of the uh, smartest guys who was ever alive on planet Earth. He was born in uh, 1898, uh, so he's passed away by now, but he was born in 1898. Here are some of his accomplishments. At 18 months old, he was reading the New York Times. I don't read it yet. I mean, I, I don't get it. At, at the age of eight, he spoke eight different languages. He spoke fluently eight different languages, French, Russian, Latin, Greek, Hebrew, Turkey, Armenia, Turkish, Armenian, uh, and, and uh, English. Um, and I can't do one. Uh, he also actually, when he was about 10 years old, kind of combined all of these into a much more logical language. But that's not how language works, so nobody else spoke it. But, but he developed his whole, own language. His mind was just... Unbelievable. At nine years old, he was accepted into Harvard, but they told him he was too young to take classes. They thought nine was a little rough to be uh, taking classes. So he, it was at 11 that he entered um, Harvard. And he graduated, uh, or no, at 12, he, he lectured the math club. Um, so he was teaching some there. He graduated with honors at 16. This is actually his graduation picture at 16 years old from Harvard. At 17 years old, uh, he taught at Rice University. Uh, working on his PhD, and so he was teaching. Uh, 17 years old, he's teaching college-level math classes. He ended up leaving Rice University because he was smarter than all of his professors, went back to Harvard and started to work on a law degree, but as so often happens, he struggled with uh, trying to figure out how to fit in. I mean, his brain was so large, his mind was so amazing. Relationally, he ended up having troubles uh, and actually uh, didn't really accomplish all that much that that we can tell you about other than just being amazingly brilliant. Um, And and he died at age 46 from a a brain uh, aneurysm. And so some said his IQ was as high as 250, um, probably more like 190, so really not that great. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean, this, you know, I mean, this guy had an amazing mind. And I'm always amazed when I meet really, really, really smart people because it's just, I just, how do you see everything you see? How do you hold it together? How do you connect these dots? And they see so much and they understand so much. And I just, amazed by it. And, and, and that's what people were. I mean, from the, the day this kid was born, he was starting to put stuff together, and he was able to articulate things and say things and see things. And, and it would have been just amazing to have met this guy. But what the Bible tells us is that he was nothing compared with God. That all of his knowledge, that everything he knew was really, really nothing compared with God. And we can put whoever we want on here, whether it's Albert Einstein or whether it's Marilyn Voss Savant or whether it's um, Stephen Hawking's or, or even if it's Daniel Budd. You can put everybody in there and they might be the smartest person you've ever met, but they are nothing compared with God. Every human being, for us, we got to understand God's knowledge is something that's in a whole different realm. It's like comparing an abacus, you know, those, those things with the beads and so on, to a supercomputer. I mean, God is just so amazing. We say that the Bible teaches us that God knows it all. God knows it all. The big word we use for this is omniscient, that God is omniscient. The word omni means all, all right? Omni is all. Science is knowledge. So it's all knowledge. God has all knowledge. God knows absolutely everything. Everything there was, everything that is, and everything that is to be. It's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thought, and we're going to try to unpack that today. We're thinking about this today because we started a series last week in which we're looking at some of the characteristics, some of the attributes of God, of, of who God is, and what God is like, and trying to understand more of who God is. And we said last week that, that our picture of God 
in our understanding of God is going to have a huge impact in how we relate to God, but also in, in how we live. And so last week we started and we said that God is always the same. His immutability, his unchangeableness. And we didn't say that that, God was like a a rock that nothing ever changed in him in that sense. But but what we meant by that was in his character and in his love and in his power and in his righteousness, God is utterly dependable. God is always the same. He is completely consistent. He is completely trustworthy. He is always the same. So this week we're going to think about God knowing it all. All right, That God knows everything. And try to figure out what that means. He is omniscient. Well, first of all, just locate this in Scripture. And there are a lot of places we could turn to. Here are several of them. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5 says, He determines. God determines the number of the stars. And he calls them each by name. Billions and billions and billions of galaxies, stars, and all of that stuff. And God knows everyone by name. Just the breadth, the the hugeness of everything God knows. God knows everything about this universe. You think about human knowledge that changes and so on, and and, and just kind of understanding things of of what we know from a human perspective now to a hundred years ago, and how things work and, and how things are. God knows everything about everything, and inside of everything that we know, God knows inside of that. He knows the stars. He calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. He sees everything, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. God knows everything. When I read this proverb, I thought of the old story. Some of you may know this, a church picnic. Um, They... uh, at the beginning of the line, there was some finger jello, right? And somebody wise decided that you needed to kind of remind the kids of something. And so they put up a sign by the jello saying this Take only one jello, please remember, God is watching. All right? So remember, God is watching. His eyes are everywhere. Well, at the end of that line, uh, with the desserts, there were a whole plate of cookies. And some, probably teenager, took the liberty to put a note on that saying, Take all the cookies you want. God is watching the jello. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now we we laugh, right? Because because we know God can do both, right? I mean, that's what it is. God knows everything. God's watching the jello and he's watching the cookies and he's watching the stars and he's watching us. It's just God knows everything and his eyes are everywhere. Isaiah 46, verse 10, I make known, God says, the end from the beginning. God knows the future. He knows the big stuff. He knows everything. He knows the future. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. God knows the future. He knows the big stuff. He knows the stars. But in Psalm 139, David just stops, and and the psalmist there just stops and says, but what's amazing is that God knows me. Inside and out, God knows me. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God knows everywhere you've gone. And he knows everywhere you're going to go. Before a word is on my tongue, before I even say it, before I even think it, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You're everywhere. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God knows everything about you. He knows absolutely everything 
about every thought you've had and every deed you've done. God knows it all. He is omniscient. And the question I want to ask again this morning is the one that we've asked us last week and we'll probably ask next week. What does it mean? What does it mean for us to say that God is omniscient? And again, it's so important that we get this right. It's so important that we get this right and, and that we understand that it matters. I, I can remember, this is for me one of those truths. I was taught this from the time I was born and growing up, that God knows everything. And so I don't think there was ever a time I didn't know this. But there were a lot of times that I said, so what? So what? What difference does it make? God knows everything, so what? And if anything, I'm not really very excited about that. Because there are some things I don't want God to know. There are some things I don't want God to know. In fact, I feel like he knows too much. So what do we do with this? Sometimes I, I, I don't think it means much, and sometimes I think it's negative. And, and, and I think sometimes when we talk about this, God knowing everything, we end up kind of losing the personality of God, and we turn him into a supercomputer. We turn him into just kind of this know-it-all computer who's not relational. And so a couple of things it doesn't mean. What, it does not mean, that when we say that God knows it all, it does not mean that, that God doesn't listen to me. You, you know, the fact of the matter is, if I know what you're going to say, I might not listen. Right? If you know, when the kids are coming home and they're going to tell you something and you know it already, a lot of times we just turn it off. We might not say, but we just, we don't, I already know. I already know I don't need to hear what you've got to say. And if I start to think about God knowing everything, why pray, Right? Why do I need to talk to him? Why should I pour out my heart with him? Why should I talk to God at all? I mean, if he, if he knows everything, he knows what I'm going to think, he knows what I'm going to say, he knows what I'm going to do. And so it, it, why do I need to say anything? Why do I need to? And, and yet somehow the Bible makes it clear that God is passionate about listening to us. Somehow the Bible also affirms that God, the God who knows everything is also a God who deeply desires to know us and to hear us and to, and, and, and to be in relationship with us. And he thinks about what we, what we say and he responds and he reacts. And he, I, I, I just want to be really careful when we talk about God knowing it all that we don't turn God into like this computer like I say. I can't have a relationship with my computer, Right? My computer, the iPad, doesn't care about me. I love it, but it doesn't love me. I mean, right? I mean, it doesn't have any, it doesn't, it just has a lot of knowledge. But, and, and God's not like an iPad and, that, and, and he just, no, he, he wants to listen to me. The, the other thing, it, it doesn't mean that my decisions aren't real or meaningful. I, I, again, if you stop and think about it, logically, if, if God knows everything, he knows how many steps I'm going to take this way before I turn and do this. Right? God knows. I'm not free to do it. If God knows how many steps I'm going to take, they've already been done. He knew yesterday how many times. So am I free to make any real decisions? Does what I think matter? It doesn't because it's all been written down. No, again, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches very clearly that I am responsible, that my decisions matter, that I am accountable for those things. And somehow, now, logically, here's where I run into trouble. And, and, and I want to make sure we talk about this because logically what I've got in my mind here are two pieces of puzzles. On the one hand, I've got a piece of the puzzle that says God knows it all. On the other hand, I've got a piece of the puzzle that says God still wants to hear me and he's still genuinely interested in what I say and my decisions are not meaningless. And, I, and, and, and the question is, how do I bring these things together? Because logically I can't. Now at this point I can start to say, well, one of these things is wrong. Or I can say, God is bigger. And I want to suggest we learn to say God is bigger, okay? That there's more going on here, that God is God, and he's able to bring some things together in such a way that, that I can't. And, and I think too often we limit God to our logic. Time and time again, what the Bible says is this is true and this is true. And what we say is, well, I need to be able to bring them together. You know what? I can't bring them together. 
I can't bring God's complete foreknowledge of everything I'm going to do together with my complete freedom. I, I can't logically do that. It doesn't make sense. But I don't need to because God is bigger than me. And he's just told me, Ron, believe them both. Believe them both, okay? Trust me on this. I'll bring them together. Maybe there's a 17th dimension or something. But I, you know, and what too often I think we try to do, and, and, and I think I've, I'm learning more and more just to say, God, I'm going to trust you, is, as I feel like I'm trying to put a puzzle together, and I end up getting out a hammer and just trying to pound the pieces into place. And saying, this is the way it's got to be, right, God? This is, saying, I don't know how they fit, but God, I trust you do. And I don't try, I, I mean, I still try to think. I still, I, I still want to know God, and I still want to try to understand how these things work together and so on. But don't let this discussion about who God is and his all-knowingness and his unchangeableness turn God into something that he's not, into some rock robot that, that's just a supercomputer. No, he is a God who is your Father in heaven who loves you. So it doesn't mean that, that God doesn't listen to me. He knows, but somehow he's still passionately interested in listening to our prayers. It doesn't mean my decisions aren't real or meaningful. What does it mean? Four things I want to talk about. First one is the bad news. God knows all our sins. Friends, every one. He knows more sins you've committed than you know you've committed, okay? You've missed some, but he knows absolutely everything. And it's just so important for us to start with acknowledging that. The fact of the matter is, think about this with me. What, when, if you're outside and it's slippery, if you're outside and it's slippery and you fall, what's the first thing that you do? No, you don't check for broken bones. You look around to see if anybody saw you, right? You just want to know if somebody saw you do that because you're embarrassed. Same thing happens most of the time when we sin, right? If you think about it, when we do something wrong, when we sin, one of the primary things we look at is, is did anybody catch me? Think about something. I mean, did anybody catch me, see me that I was, I was drunk the other night, that I drank too much, or that I, is anybody going to be able to go on the computer and see where I was on the internet? Is somebody going to be able to trace it back that I was the one who spilled the beans, that I told the secret? I, and, and, and that's what I'm really scared about. The fact is, more often, I am not hating sin, I'm hating getting caught. I'm not more worried about sinning, I'm worried about getting caught. Just imagine, think about this, and, and I admit this saying it's wrong. But, but you know what? When I get to a place when I've done something wrong, I'm saying, oh God, I'm so sorry. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Oh God, I'm so sorry. And, and, and then when I realize nobody caught me on this earth, I'm like, oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sorry, but <laughs> whew, got away with that one, right? I mean, what I, what, what I, so often when we apologize, so often it, it, it really is, I'm sorry I got caught. And what I want to just tell you right now is, friends, you've all been caught. Okay, just know this. You're dead. You've been caught. God knows it all. Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows every evil thought, every evil deed, everything you've done, that's wrong. He just knows it. And trying to cover it up. I, I tell people all the time, you know what? I'm easy to fool. I'm easy to fool. If you want me to think you're a great person, I will do that. Because I'm easy to fool. But God's not. And you don't have to worry about whether you're fooling me. I'm easy. What you've got to worry about is whether you're fooling God. And I tell you, you're not. And that's why the invitation of Scripture over and over and over again is just confess. Just acknowledge it. And, and, and guess what? When you confess your sins, when you own them, you're not telling God anything he doesn't already know. 
He already knows those things. And, and he's waiting just so that you can be set free. I was thinking about this, and I thought about my, my grandma's house, Grandma D, down in Battle Creek. And she had this kind of area, kind of a, it, it was kind of a three seasons room going into the house. And, and, and one Christmas we were there, and, and a bunch of the cousins, we were all just throwing a football around. And, and, and she, uh, we, well, she didn't do anything. We ended up breaking one of her vases. You know, goes over, it breaks. But it was in like four or five good-sized pieces, so we could like put it back together. And if you didn't look really close, it was fine. And about six months later, we finally decided we needed to confess to Grandma and tell her about the vase. She said, two things, two things. We said, okay, what? She said, first, I knew, and I knew you guys did it. But I needed you to come to me. I needed you to experience. I needed you to own it. And, and he, she said, I forgive you. I don't care. That's just a silly old vase. She said, I love you guys. You know you're more important than a vase to me. And so often I think with God, I try to cover it up. I try to pray, God, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get caught. And God is just saying, Ron, why do you hold on to stuff? Why don't you just confess it? Why don't you just leave it open? Grandma knew. God knows. So just own up to it confess it. Grandma, what's the other thing? This wasn't so good. She said, I'm old. If you'd have just thrown it away, I probably wouldn't have never noticed. (laughs) That's not a good lesson, but anyway. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) She said, you guys, I would have never noticed. It was the fact that it was broken that I noticed. Anyway, so God knows all our sins. Second thing, God knows. This is the good news part of that. God knows what we do in secret service for others. Think about that, right? God knows everything you've done wrong, but you know what? God knows everything you've ever done right. Every time, every time, those things nobody else has noticed, but every time you've spoken a kind word, every time that you've shared something, every time that you've reached out to somebody, God notices that. God knows all of those things. And I don't know if he writes them down, but I have a feeling he just might. I I think many of us think about God writing down in a book all of our sins. That's not hard for us to imagine. But imagine that God also writes down every good thing you've done. That's not really hard to imagine either. That's the way God is. God celebrates those things. And that's important because the fact is, we don't necessarily do things to get noticed, but it's nice, right? On those rare occasions when I get it right, it's nice to have somebody notice. Sometimes I'm obvious about this. Tammy will come home and I'll say, did you notice that I vacuumed? Did you want to tell me I'm a great husband for washing the windows? Because you haven't yet, and you should. You know, I mean, sometimes, now I'm learning to be a little more subtle, and so I, you know, I learned to say things to you all like, oh, excuse me if I'm tired. I was just at a pastoral call till 1 a.m. <laughs> what a great pastor I am. I went by your house the other day because I was coming home from the jail. Well, I do that too, right? I mean, you know, I mean, in all of these ways, the fact of the matter is, if you're in the hospital and I go up to visit you and you're not in your room, you're maybe getting a test done, I'll write you a note. And I'll say to you verbally, I wanted you to know we were praying for you. But a big part of it is I want you to know I want credit for that visit, Hello, I showed up, and I want to make sure you, right? And God says, Ron, just stop, okay? Don't worry about your publicity. I know, and that's enough. Matthew 6, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't even think about it too much yourself, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward 
you. God will take care of it, friends. We don't need to be our own PR departments. We don't need to worry. I I mean, I just want you to know. And again, I think part of what's going to be fun in in getting to heaven is God's going to remind us, just like we forget sins, we probably forget some of the good things we've done. And God's going to say, hey, you did this, and you did that, and you did that, and I really appreciated you helping that person. I really appreciated how you did this. I mean, God knows everything. He knows all the good stuff, all right? God knows not only all our sins, but he knows all of what we do in secret service to others. Third, God knows our hearts. God knows every pain that we have experienced. One of the things that, that has, I've learned over and over again in the last 22 years of serving as a pastor here is that we all have a lot of hurts that we don't wear on our sleeves. And, and there are those things that some of us just don't talk about. I think about things like miscarriages. You know, you, you don't necessarily tell everybody about that. But you know what? A lot of women and men here kind of go through saying, our little boy or girl would have been that age. Would have been that age. We would have had four kids. We did have four kids. We don't tell anybody else, but we carry this pain of abuse or of hurt, and there are just so many hurts, and, and the people around us forget them. Sometimes somebody will be going through a really difficult time, and one of you will come up to me, and you'll say, oh, you know, Ron, should I talk to them? Because you remember, I went through, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot, I should have thought about it. I don't remember everything. And, and, and God does. God knows every hurt and every pain. Jesus, Matthew 29, 10, 29 to 31 are not two sparrows sold for a penny. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tried to find out this week, and the internet doesn't tell you this, at least I couldn't figure out how many sparrows fall around the world every day. I don't know, but there got to be millions, right? I mean, think of all the birds that die. Think of all of the birds that die every day. And God pays attention to each one. God pays attention when a bird dies. God pays attention when a grasshopper dies. God knows that. Do you know how much he knows about your hurt? Because you are worth so much more than a grasshopper or a sparrow or a robin. Just think about that. I mean, that's why this is, we fall more deeply in love when I said God knows every tear that I've cried. Fascinating passage, Psalm 56, verse 8. The psalmist says, God, record my lament, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Picture that. God has a record of all of your tears. The other image that might be behind this is, it's kind of a question of translation. It says, list my tears on your scroll. It it could be, put my tears in your bottle. See, what would happen in, in, in ancient days in, in the time of the psalmist here was that when a, a husband would go away off to war, uh, his wife might buy a bottle, a vial, and she would collect her tears. And then when he came back, said, honey, this is, I cried. I was so, you need to know how much I care about you. These are all the tears I cried. I thought Tammy would just run the tap for a second and kind of say, here. <laughs> you think I was thinking about you? Seriously, I had four kids to take care of. No, I mean, right? I mean, it, but... But, but imagine that picture, take it seriously though, of that, that God is counting our tears, that God is t- keeping track of them. And, and he knows each one. He knows each tear. And he, 
And he's holding on to it. And in Revelation 21 says, someday he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And I don't know what's going to happen with those tears, but I don't know if God's going to pour them out and just say, no, these water the flowers, and, and now they're gone. And it's going to be okay. God knows every hurt. He knows all of your tears. And then the last one, God knows what to do. The Bible says God is in control. God is in control. And the wonderful news is that the one who is in control is not flying blind. He knows. He knows what to do because he knows everything. He knows this and he knows that. Think about it. When you and I have to make a decision, what do we often say? I had to go in the best I knew. If I'd have known you were doing this, then I would have done that. If I would have known you were traveling here, I would have had you call this person if I would have known that. And I don't know. And, and we make the best decisions we can based on what we know, right? God knows everything. God knows what's going to happen. God knows how things are going to go. Daniel, and Daniel too, is talking about this. And he's in exile, and he still says, God, your knowledge is amazing because I know that you are in control, and I know that you are making wise decisions. I know that you know everything. Praise be to the, God, to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and season. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness. Light dwells with him. Nothing surprises our God, okay? He's not surprised. He never says, oh, I wish I would have known that. No, he makes wise decisions. Romans eleven thirty three to 34. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. We can't figure it out. And his paths beyond tracing out. We can't see the path, but God knows and he knows everything. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? God knows what to do. Now, for me, this creates a bit of a problem. I go back to kind of where I started there of saying, okay, If that's the case, if God knows everything, if God is in control, and if God loves us, then why doesn't God stop some of this stuff? Why didn't God cause the pin to misfire in in Newtown, in Connecticut? Why didn't God change the light? Why didn't God just make something happen so that this, you know what the answer to that is? I don't know. I don't know. And and I can't put them together, but I know God is God, and I know this, that that God is loving, and God is all-powerful, and God knows everything. And I know that all the decisions he makes are wise, and all the decisions he makes are exactly right. Why is there such a mess? I don't know. I really don't. But I will still trust him. I will still trust him. I'm not going to say, well, then he must not exist. I'm going to say, nope, there's something else going on here. My ways, his ways are not my ways. And I am going to simply say, God, I don't get it. And I'm free to say, God, I don't like it. But God, I'm going to keep trusting you. Because God, I know. I know that you're loving and powerful. Those things never change. And I know you know everything. And so somehow it's going to be okay. God knows it all, friends. And that can give us security. That can give us strength. As I thought about this, and I made this change this morning, because I thought, you know what, again, I just want to come back to it and, and, and say, you know what I really want to say is not just God knows it all. But as you think about that, recognize it's your loving Father who knows it all. Okay, it's your loving Father who knows it all. The one who holds you in his hands knows all of your hurts and all of your struggles and he knows what's going on and he'll take care of you. Doesn't mean it's always easy. 
but it does mean it's going to be okay. I believe that with all my heart, and I pray that you can too. Let's pray together. Father, it's hard for us to grasp this. And sometimes when we think about you knowing it all, it feels like you must be so different from us, we can't relate to you. Remind us that it's not just God who knows it all, but it's the God who is our loving Father. That our Father in heaven knows everything to teach us to be honest in our confession and open so that we can experience the grace of forgiveness. Father, help us to know that you know all the good things and and, and all that we need. Father, you know it. And so help us to trust you and your love and your knowledge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand to receive God's parting word of blessing. Once again, following our service, there are going to be some folks in the prayer room there to that side of the auditorium if you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with us, and may we know the good news that he knows everything. Go in God's grace. Amen. Great is your faithfulness Great is your faithfulness You never change You never fail, oh God True are your promises True are your promises You never change 